Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris, and this week I'm s- serving up. No wait, <laughs> no, I, no, I screwed up the I'm script. Starving for, I'm starving for. I'm starving for. No, 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 Nick, a Nick, book. Nick, 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 stop. Do it. Do it like a drive-through. <laughs> uh, hello, hello, <laughs> hello. Welcome, welcome to You Don't Know Lit. How can I help you today? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd like. Uh, <clears throat> oh, hey, so you're gonna um, have to speak up, sir. Yeah, Talk uh, right do into you guys? Um, do you guys got that McRib? <laughs> Um, uh, no, our machine is broken. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, the, the machine, you kind of mash it. You mush it into that shape with. We just put the pig in one end and all McRibs come out the other Have end. Have you ever seen the frozen McRibs? I don't want to, sir. What like, are you going to order the- today? <laughs> this is how I <laughs> order. Oh, I'm not paid for much of anything. Just order your, what do you want today? Yeah, can I get two books about fast food? And also, I'm going to need you to explain them to me through the drive-thru. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, we're gonna I don't want to, to do turn that. This into a this... podcast. <laughs> Joe is bailing on the bit. <laughs> I, right. I don't want to do that. I, I, it's, uh, Joe, um, introduce th- your book. Nick, I brought a book called Nick. If you're looking for a book about fast food this week, I brought the first book ever written about fast food. No, that's probably not true. Um, true. 2001's Fast Food Nation. It might not be the first book written about fast food, but it was the best book. I don't know if that's true either. It's a it's a really compelling book about fast food. <laughs> wow, the waffling. There's so much waffling. This it's like Waffle House. Waffle House. Ah, yeah. Um. Good afternoon, Nick. Good morning, Joe. And good evening, Litheads. Today, I'm getting fries with that because I brought the Pulitzer Prize winning history book franchise, The Golden Arches in Black America. Reader requested. It's all about how McDonald's has been good and bad for black communities in America. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely enough, every (laughs) author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. (laughs) Who who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. You know, one of the things that came out in my book is McDonald's. We think they're in the hamburger business. They are actually in the French fry business. Like their margins are on French fries. They sell way more French fries when they like buy pound than they sell hamburgers. Interesting. Very interesting. Joe, are you going to have lots of McDonald's facts today? Just just (laughs) a half dozen or so. (laughs) So, yeah. So this was recommended uh, by Frederick. Loyal Lithead Frederick. Uh, this is what he wrote. Uh, Ian, your book won a Pulitzer Prize. You sure did. And takes a new approach to the history of fast food. Ian, you mentioned your favorite food was some sort of hidden secret menu item. See, I hate this tremendously. Um, can you tell us about what that order is? Well, if yeah, he says so it, I don't know if it's still a secret. The legions of Lidheads will be flocking to In and Out. Oh, I'll just whisker it. I just, I just, um, Lidheads, if you haven't, if you don't, if you, uh, if you want to be a moral person, just close your ears because I'm going to whisker a secret right now. Yeah, this is just if for you me. Walk into, if you walk into, this is for the, the amoral Lidheads, the ones who have no conscience. Okay, they can um, listen. Yeah. You walk into a, a an In and Out. And you see the the gleaming plastic and so on and so forth. You see the old fashioned uh, um, uh, menu boards. They don't have those fancy TVs. They're all old fashioned. You see the on the right. Usually you'll see a, a glass case. Are you describing a, you can uh, get. in and out fully? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm setting the stage. You walk in. Okay. You go up to the counter. There's a person in a little white hat, and they say, well, "What would you like today?" 
Um, they don't say anything like my pleasure, sir, or anything creepy like they say at Chick-fil-A. They're just like, what would you like today? And then you say to them, I would like a double-double animal style and some fries animal style. And about 20 minutes later, 15 minutes later, if they're, if they're not too rushed, they give you a double-decker cheeseburger with like melted cheese and grilled onions and mustard and it's all kind of like that's not just, greasy for a fast it's food just, story. Ian, this is just taking forever. Um, <laughs> did you guys watch the movie? The founder? No. Is it about Ray Kroc? Yeah. It's basically, it's this movie. It's uh, starring Michael Keaton. It's about Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's. And the premise is that you kind of like you, you get to see how it all started. Right. Yeah. And, and the shorthand is that, you know, he's, he found these two guys who were, it was called McDonald's. He loved mm-hmm. like the brand, right? They had the arches yep. already. And he said, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I want some, can I have some of this? Can I have and some of those so arches? They went into can business and he, he basically forces them out. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. And yep. cause, yeah, you saw that coming, but I'll be honest with you. I'm watching the movie. I'm like, I don't know if he's the bad guy. <laughs> hey, welcome was, to the story of McDonald's, Nick. I'm not, <laughs> these guys might be the bad guys. <laughs> right, right. Now, after you finished watching that, did you just kind of sit back and just reflect on how, how, how ridiculous it was and just maybe say to yourself, what a crock? No, it made me feel like McDonald's might have been funding the movie. <laughs> That was a pun. that was a that was a pun. Uh, yeah, I, McDonald's I funds a lot. It. My book is kind of about that, actually. McDonald's McDonald's about gives puns? a lot of money to a lot of places. Well, welcome, let heads eat or no let to weekly, as we call it strongly podcast, where every week we pick a theme, or you pick a theme, and Ian and Joe, two high school English teachers, bring book recommendations, and just to upset one of them, we pick a winner. <laughs> and it upsets us every time. Have we have we ever established have we ever established whether it upsets the lit heads too? Oh, right. They might want everyone to win. They might want to Camp Luther tie. I'm sorry. (laughs) Do you want to explain what a Camp Luther tie is, Joe? Would you like to tell a story? Uh, So I, my entire family went to camp, a camp called Camp Luther. It was a Lutheran camp. We weren't Lutheran, but that was like the kind of upbringing that we had. Um, (laughs) We went to a camp called Camp Luther. Uh, The the upbringing where you get, you pretend to be Lutherans. Went to Catholic camp, Jewish camp. To be Catholic for a week. And then at the end of the night games, which we played every night, they always said they were going to pick a winner and there was going to be like a clear victor of the night games to like, you know, in, 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 inspire our bloodlust i would imagine and then at the end of the night they would say it was another camp luther tie and how did that make you feel it made you feel a little bit robbed well okay here's the thing in hindsight everybody should have known but at the time it felt like you're all like it, it, what it, it, it felt like the rug was pulled out from under us yeah it felt wow. like a total betrayal of jesus christ um at the time <laughs> incredible but the lutheran jesus christ so i didn't have much allegiance to that guy anyway <laughs> wait okay let's just move on uh we have some show rules to keep us like thank you for that story joe uh brilliant uh, you asked <laughs> and then we have some rules, rules. Joe, yeah we have yeah. some rules some i guess some rules do you you know don't fucking ruin the book shut up joe and <laughs> good luck winning <laughs> this good game luck is winning. rigged <laughs> Oh, Vince Lombardi. Thank you, Vince. Good luck winning. Uh, we don't have any shout-out rules this week because everything is all out on the table. Uh, you don't it's need to be concerned about where the money is coming from. You don't need to be concerned about where the money is going. Uh, funding is completely straightforward. Um, there, just just do your best, and, and I'm sure uh, the the most deserving person will win today. 
Uh, it's certainly not been preordained. Every episode. Uh, Joseph, do you want to take 30 seconds and tell me what what what's the deal with fast food? <laughs> right, Nick. This book has a very simple premise that comes to you in two parts. Part one, the fast food industry makes everything it touches worse. Part two, in America, the fast food industry touches everything. Fast food has mauled our landscape, widened the chasm between the rich and the poor, fueled the epidemic of obesity, and propelled American cultural imperialism abroad. It's bad for consumers, bad for workers, bad for food producers. Nick, this book is infuriating, a total bummer, and is the kind of thing that might make you swear off fast food. Joe, you didn't mention how delicious it is. I'm wondering if that comes up in it the is, book. It, yeah, fast food <laughs> is delicious. Um, this book is also and written can, by Eric Schlosser, Fast Food Nation, 2001, 288 pages. Okay. Fast food is good. And convenient. Ian, your time has started. During the protests in Ferguson, Missouri, after the killing of Michael Brown, local McDonald's served as a command center for cops, journalists, and activists alike. According to Marcia Chatelaine, the author of my book this week, this is no coincidence. The Golden Arches have long been a place of refuge and opportunity for black Americans. Her book, Franchise, explains why. And the answer is property prices, assassinations, black capitalism, and riots. Um, so it sounds like we have like a kind of a nice fun book about fast food. No, it sounds like we have two downers. <laughs> Two uh, mine's, very mine's not a downer, as I'll get into. I'm getting the sense that fast food not, might not be good, guys. <laughs> it's always strange <laughs> when uh, food is um, has like a negative effect on society. Uh, I'm also just finishing up Grapes of Wrath. And <laughs> oh, oh, oh man. <laughs> and those grapes, guys. <laughs> they are wrathful. Um, is that a word? Wrathful? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, it is. For sure. When, yeah, when you go to when you go to McDonald's, what do you guys order? Big Mac. Really? Yeah. I don't think I've ever had one of them. You've never had a Big Mac? Doesn't it have a piece it's of bread? It's the Cadillac in the of burgers. It's it does it is have a piece burger. of bread in the middle. It also has Thousand Islands on it. Thousand Islands? Is that what's on the Big Mac? <laughs> 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 okay. I'm not a big fan uh, of Thousand Island, and I don't like extra bread. I want my bread to meat ratio to be to be minimal. But they've done the research. Where, where they, have they done the research on what? You know, the numbers. <laughs> I, I, I would like to answer this question. I have not been to McDonald's since like 2005 when I got food poisoning at McDonald's. Um, <laughs> what did you have? <laughs> how, uh, the chicken McNuggets, they were on the dollar menu. The 10 Oof. piece was on the dollar oh, menu, wow. which is insane. Man, 10 chicken time. McNuggets oh. for a dollar. And then, this is the best part of the story, I went like six months later because the chicken McNuggets went on the dollar menu again. <laughs> I was in college and I got food poisoning again. <laughs> and that was the last time oh, I went to McDonald's. Um, I've gone to many fast food establishments since then. Okay, Ian, since you're uh, you have a lit, a lit head recommendation, why don't we why don't we, do. we let the lit head go first today? Oh, yeah. that's very nice. My book uh, won the Pulitzer a couple of years ago. It won the Pulitzer in 2021. And when I heard about it, I was so interested. I just, I, I went out and I read it right away because it came in. It, it was re recommended around the time that it won. This Lidhead's, this recommendation has been sitting on our oh, shelf for man, a while. A we got a, we got a mountain. Next, week, we're, next week, we've got yeah. an even older one. So get ready for that. Um, <laughs> we're getting into the archives. I mean, it's like wine, right? So I, I, I went out and, and I, I listened to this on audiobook right away. And um, I, I came back to it now almost a year later. And 
it's still super fresh. It's still stuck in my mind because the story it tells is so unique and interesting and unexpected. So it kind of has like, it follows sort of three trends. It's mostly set in the late 50s, the 1960s, the early 70s. It kind of bridges into the 80s and 90s in the present day, but the, the much of it takes place in the late 50s, 60s, early 70s. So it's got these three trends. Um, the first trend is black capitalism. The second trend is 1968 and the black McDonald's boom. And the last trend is kind of an erosion of black control of McDonald's. So she's a historian. Mm. She's telling a historical narrative. Um, she begins with like Ray Kroc and the founding of like him pushing those guys out and um, how at first some of the, the, the issues, some of the, the struggles in um, in terms of like McDonald's and black people, the, the issue is like not being served. Um, but pretty quickly, Kroc realized I want money. And so he decided he would just do whatever it took to get money. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah, so you have a question, Nick. Yeah. I feel Nick, like Nick's raising his hand. What, um, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> Warren, <Nick>? By like <laughs> Mr. DeYoung, Mr. DeYoung, I have a question. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Can you start over, but then add more words? <laughs> um, what specifically is throwing you, Nick? Just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> No, I got it, Mr. Dung. Never, Never mind. mind. <laughs> Never mind. I'll figure it out the night before the test. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just ask Becky for her notes. <laughs> just cheat. <laughs> there should be more cheating on this show. Is there spark notes for this book? Let's let's submit these to turn it in. Um, okay. So uh, uh, as as Croc is like, I just want money. I want to. I want to. Um, I'm going to secure as many people coming to my restaurants as I can. Yeah. Um, this he starts franchising the restaurant and this occurs concurrently with black people, black communities saying, let's kind of let's kind of uplift black communities, uh, uplift ourselves um, by clearing the way for black success stories and especially financial success stories. So black business owners, um, black capitalism, uh, the way one of the ways that we kind of. Uh, fight for civil rights is um, by being successful and by being able to fund ourselves and these kinds of things. So um, I'm I'm, I'm still the, lost. What are you talking about? What do you mean like black owners? What does this have to do with Ray Kroc? I, I don't understand what you're saying. Did Ray Kroc have a plan to make black people own McDonald's? We're getting to it. Well, I, I would imagine Ray Kroc had a plan to expand McDonald's yes. is the thing that Ray Kroc right. was interested okay. in. And that meant at a certain point going into black neighborhoods into yeah we've got two separate we got town two parallels we've got the, the the growth of black capitalism as this as this mentality this is how we uplift in black communities that's that's one strand okay. and then at the same time ray Kroc wants success and money and eventually these two strands come um, together okay this is now i know where it's going you're so smart <laughs> you figured it out before i could even say it um eventually the move was um let's let's do community organized uh um uh community organized and kind of community funded or, or or municipally funded moves to get black people franchising mcdonald's this was built into like the company this is that is that really what you're saying like this was part of their actual plans this is fascinating i've never heard anything like this before at first, Croc was just like, I want money. And he was a little bit of a racist. But then he realized, hey, if I if this will help McDonald's, the brand grow, I don't really care. Like it could be a win win. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. he's that rare brand of terrible person who can suppress one kind of terribleness, racism, in order to to boost the other greed. 
Um, he was like, <laughs> his, basically, basically his racism had a price. Um, right. and so, so at, at a certain point, there are organizations of black franchisers, um, that are kind of like, uh, boosting each other. Um, they're uh, advocating for each other. Um, they're kind of fighting against segregation in the, um, in the, the company's structures. Um, and their goal is to make black franchising of McDonald's more viable and more widespread. And then do you guys know what happened? The, the big thing that happened in 1968 with race relations, they got better. Did they get better? Well, was there an assassination? There was an assassination. Yeah. Yeah. Martin Luther King jr. Was, was murdered in, uh, in 1968 and there were riots, <laughs> all over the United States. Yeah. Um, they're the Holy week uprising They're They're, they're just, just a ton of different cities and then doing research. People are not happy. No. And it's super interesting. The ways no. that the cities that didn't have them, um, there's Boston had a James Brown concert that night and the mayor went to the James Brown concert and was like, Hey, can I, can I touch you guys? Um, peace, peace, peace and love, please. Yeah. Uh, no riots. And that to some extent, helped um avoid uh-huh. these huge so it's really fascinating these riots happen and as a result of these riots black neighborhoods are kind of decimated for a little bit all of the white franchisers in these black neighborhoods flee because they're like i can't yeah. do this this is too much for me and into yeah. this void mcdonald's as a company and kind of the black franchiser boosters say let's get black franchisers in there all of a sudden, these McDonald's locations in black communities become super, super important, not just to drive kind of black wealth, but also um, social organization. Um, there are a lot of stories of like voting, voter registration happening at McDonald's. So they become centers, not wow. just for, you know, the black franchisers to get get rich, which they did. Oh, my goodness, yeah. they did. But also um, for, for organization, um, the black Panthers were headquartered, um, kind of in and around McDonald's for a while. Um, Love that. So, so I mean like c- community hubs. So this is all happening. And then gradually the success becomes kind of too visible. And when Ooh. the black success becomes too visible, when the social organizing starts having too much of an effect and it's, it's generally kind of in the progressive vein, it's not really, not really sort of not really conservative. Um, as this happens, the systems start to notice this discriminatory practices, make it harder and harder for the franchisers. The sharks begin to circle McDonald's benefits to black communities kind of shift and change. Um, so this is the story she tells. She tells a, 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 an arc from the, the black capitalism where, um, black wealth is going to uplift black communities to, um, the amazing opportunity after the, the Holy week uprising, and then gradually, of course, it it kind of kind of fizzles away. Do you think money changes people? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So your book is it, it's a bit of a history lesson, right? There, this yeah, is right. Who's the author? Tell us about the author. So she's a she's a uh, associate professor of history. Um, okay, so might be qualified. Yeah, I, I think I think just uh, only an associate though, Joe. I don't know. Yeah, not great. <laughs> That's like a lecturer. As of now, <laughs> she is a professor, full professor of history and African American studies at Georgetown. She's a TA. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's a high school English teacher. She's, she's one of my students. No, she is. Oh, no. She is. Um, she is not. She she is not like. Um, 
she's not one of the like the old guard. She's kind of a new voice. Yeah, but um, that's cool. It, so she and yeah. she's she's incredible. She's like she's a huge force. She wrote a book. I, I, I read I wrote a book. I, I, I talked about a book on this on the show a long time ago um, about the Great Migration. Um, yeah. It was another. I, I thought it was a Pulitzer Prize winner, but it wasn't. The author had won a Pulitzer Prize because the cover yeah, set. Very yeah, very tricky. I, I think you actually brought that for Pulitzer Prize winner. Yeah, I did. Uh huh. It, it was a classic. Yeah. It was a classic moment, and I think I won that. And week I think too. you won. <laughs> he pulled <laughs> out a win anyway. Uh, no rules. Um, but so she wrote. She she didn't write that book. My author um, Marcia Chatelain didn't write that book, but she wrote another book focused on the experiences of women during that same time period, that same great migration. She's incredibly, incredibly qualified. Uh, her, this is her second book and it won the Pulitzer. So I'm guessing Nobel in like five years. Um, it's really good. Can you imagine writing two books and winning the Pulitzer? I mean, come on, that's pretty good. I think it, this is already really, I, I had no idea that this was like yeah, a part of their the story, thing. like McDonald's right. history. It's kind of very right. like, um, it almost sounds really nice, but you know, deep down is probably really yeah. evil, right? Yes. Yeah. And like, so I, obviously like we know where this ends with like food mm. deserts and et cetera, et cetera. But I guess, but my, I guess my question is, is like how, how, um, what's the timeline here of this book? So it begins, uh, it really begins. Like she, she starts with, she even starts before, um, crock and the beginning of McDonald's. Cause she kind of like lays some groundwork, talks about how, um, various <laughs> potatoes I mean, are farmed. It starts, <laughs> it starts uh-huh, with, the, with, yeah. the, with the origins of the world. Yeah. Uh, no, she, she begins in the, in the early, the early 1900s. It starts in Hamburg. <laughs> <laughs> One of the Charles Dickens books begins. I was born. <laughs> That's, That's how comes I start all my stories. <laughs> In the beginning. Um, she begins kind of in, in the early 1920s, but the real focus is maybe like 55 through 75. Um, and there is so, so, so much I'm not like getting to. So she's got a whole chapter on like, ad design where they were using different black ad companies to build like um like uh like black run black led ad companies to build commercials that would appeal to black consumers and like the ways they did that and the the um the the rhetorical strategies they use it's just there's so much um it's like this is this is really like what you're saying nick you had no idea it's 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 incredible like that honestly we don't what know I this. Really this find is, interesting is like, and it's I, I it's obviously very different because it's not one company, right? But you see this like theme of that kind of returning, like black owned, like putting putting like right. the emphasis mm-hmm. on yeah. the owner right. and supporting right. owners. Right. And mm-hmm. I think right. that that's a really interesting and timely connection. <laughs> any <laughs> advice for not repeating history? <laughs> well, I think, the, I think the, the black owned boom, and we see this with like, we see women owned too. And like, like other, other identities. Yeah, exactly. I think that the, the, the difference is that these are the franchisers are subordinate to the company and the franchisers yeah. have plenty of, that would be the plenty of right? sway, but a lot of the black owned women owned the identity owned um, uh, push is small business is independent stuff. And I think that's the difference that we see where, you know, the, the push to shop, to shop local or to shop women owned or whatever it is um, that, that is support the small business. These people were 
yes, getting wealthy, but they were also like she talks about the ways that that McDonald's franchising costs changed and the ways that like they actually yeah. decreased the franchise cost so that black people could buy in because they wanted that so bad. But when they say decreased, it's still like good news. Instead of paying a million dollars for the franchise, you only have to pay $750,000 for the franchise. Yeah. yeah. So like, I think the difference is that um, these are all seemingly independent operators in service to a larger, a larger kind of major network. Whereas the modern push is, is more scattered, more disparate. Okay, good call up. Good difference there, Ian. Thank you. Uh, McDonald's sucks. Um, they call me the difference king. Yeah, famously. Um, one of the things that one of the things I like about this book, and it connects to something you were saying, Nick, was is is how it kind of tells this like a secret history or a suppressed history, and this is actually our trope of the week. Oh. So, uh, Joe, would you do the honors? Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> Love it. I feel like that. Love I was it. off. I was off key. Do you want to try it again, yeah. Joe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just cough into the microphone. But as you can't see this, but Joe has for some inexplicable reason tied a bandana yeah, around we're his not forehead. Talk and about the whole, it. <laughs> I, I thing Nick is has been specifically not referencing it. I don't no, refuse to address that. Stupid Next week, bandana. I'm wearing a, a chicken costume. I'm gonna. It's gonna get more uh, egregious until Nick acknowledges me. I'm acknowledge just looking me. to. <laughs> Uh, so the, the, the trouble of the week is the suppressed history. Usually in fiction, this is the, the, the trope where something bad has happened and we just don't talk about it. Um, mm. in this, in this story, it's not like the history has been really suppressed as much as let kind of lie forgotten. We haven't, we haven't discussed this. Not, not that we've chosen to avoid it. It's just sort of haven't, hasn't come up, uh, because this book hasn't been written. So in this story, we haven't looked in this book. We haven't looked at the relationship between McDonald's franchises and black communities. So it's a bit of history and it's weird because it exists, but it hasn't, hadn't been previously to this, hadn't been explored or discovered. The, the closest connection I can make is like when you're playing a video game, like with like an open world, and there's a part of the map you can see you haven't discovered. Oh, yeah. And you maybe you don't know quite know how to get there. But then when you do, it was there all along. But you got there and you fill in that part of the map. And it's like you you have kind of a, an addition to your 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 world experience. She, she talks about aspects of the history of the company, the, the history of McDonald's, which would have been hidden. And then she makes them clear. And an example of this um, is when she talks about the outreach efforts that McDonald's does there's kind of a question are these outreach efforts well-intentioned are they exploitative what are they like why are they funding youth leagues why are they giving so many scholarships um is it because these black franchisers are legitimately concerned about helping um their their communities where where they need help or is it that mcdonald's is trying to burnish its brand um my favorite example of this this is just Blew, it absolutely blew my mind. So Martin Luther King Jr. Day, um, which is January. Well, it's always like the third Monday in January, something like that. Martin Luther King Jr. Day wasn't a thing uh, until the 1980s. In the 1980s, uh, Jimmy Carter desperately wanted, late, late, late 80s, uh, sorry, late 70s. Jimmy Carter desperately wanted to kind of get the black vote. Um, and so he said, sort of in desperation, as Chatelaine describes it, he said, I got good news. I'm going to make a, a Martin Luther King Day. How about that? How about that? How, <laughs> how do you like me now? See, look at that one. I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nick's a big Jimmy Carter fan, so tread carefully. <laughs> McDonald's franchisers, um, the people who were who were um, a lot of them, like the black franchisers in in uh, various black communities, they they loved they loved the idea of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and so they were doing so so much to boost this, to build it, um, and to make Martin Luther King Jr. Day happen. The crazy thing, the ridiculous thing about this is. Martin Luther King was a huge socialist. Yeah. He hated capitalism. He hated the idea that like you uplift your, your community by, you know, being successful and, and, and buying into corporations. And so there's a quote. Um, I, I can't say it as well as she does. So I'll just read what she says. Um, she's talking about a, a, a raft of events in the, the late eighties uh, promoting Martin Luther King junior day. She says at these events at the pro MLK junior day events, no speaker at the events ever raised the issue that McDonald's would open the year celebrating a fervent anti-capitalist and close it with more than $4 billion in revenue and $480 million in profits. Perhaps it was easier to evoke the grief of his loss than the substance of his message. So like this is, this is so fascinating that we, it's a national holiday um, we, I, I get Martin Luther King Jr. today off mm-hmm. for school. Yep. Um, and it's in part because, well, I mean, like, like <laughs> recently you just started getting off. <laughs> like kind of, we're easing into it. <laughs> Gradually. Not everybody has off. <laughs> okay. You guys will get there someday. I believe it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wild. So, um, is this all just public record? Like, where does she is she getting any information that you can't find anywhere else? Or is this oh, just yeah, like yeah, she's she's just doing the, she's interviewing people. Putting, yeah, yeah, she's okay. interviewing people. She's she's um uh, the 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 black franchiser, the black franchisee booster association. Um, she she talks to some of them. Um, there's a a, a group called the W O N Women Operators Network. So these are women who are franchisees. And she talks to them. So there's there is a lot of sort of like on the ground stuff. Some of it's public record. Um, a lot of it is um, there's a section kind of towards the end where she's just looking at memorabilia uh, from like the hit, like restaurant history mm-hmm. uh, from the 80s and 90s, um, describing the ways that um, various kind of activist movements were were represented or or pushed forward um the the martin luther king jr thing she talks about how some franchises were printing out special um special like the papers that go in the trays Mm -hmm. like tray um placemats sure um pushing and boosting martin luther king jr this wasn't like company-wide this was individual franchisers saying this is a a cause we believe in so we're gonna we're going to make sure it happens. So it's a combination. Um, it's very, very thoroughly researched. Sometimes you read these books and you're like, this must have taken you 10 years. How did you like, <laughs> yeah. how did you get all of this? Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredible. Does this have an overt message or is this just more factual? Like here, here's the thing you kind of, you know, interpret how yeah. you, how you like, like, I guess like even like the McDonald's stuff, it's like, okay, sorry, just listening to you more. Like, obviously like is it just like capitalism in its truest form right like of course we're gonna take a group a community and we're gonna become a part of it and we're gonna leverage that into billions of dollars right like like, like when it comes down to it it's like how do we sell more hamburgers like martin luther king is great Right. It's but like, but like, uh, we're in the, but when we first business. started this conversation, it was more, um, maybe it was kind of 
for good. But uh, the more right. I hear you talk, it sounds like it's definitely not. Well, this is okay. This is the thing, and this is what I love about this book because I started it and I thought I was going to hear some leftist liberal, some liberal Whoa. talking about Marxism. Okay, and she she really like it's clear that she's not a big fan of certain aspects, but. She approaches this in like a, an extremely fair and balanced way. The overt messages, there are messages. The messages are not what you expect. She's not saying fast food is evil. She's not saying McDonald's is racist. She's not saying black capitalism was, was poisonous. She is complicating what we think about this situation. Um, she is, well, I'm just going to read a sentence from the New York Times review because I um, it, it kind of captures the way that she's balancing things. Um, the New York Times review of this, which a very, very positive review. It said, this isn't just a story of exploitation or conversely empowerment. It's a cautionary tale about relying on the private sector to provide what sure. the public needs. Yeah. And how promises of real economic development invariably come up short. So these are not, she's not saying it's poison. It ruined communities. She's saying, there were it's a bigger there were topic. moves. There were changes. Like people, lots, lots. McDonald's has given out a lot of scholarships. A lot of those scholarships have helped a lot of young black people get to college. That's great. We can't say that's not great. A lot of black wealth has been generated because of franchises. But she says it's not. One more, and then I'll stop. I think I'm done here. This is You're this is the New York Times here. again. Yeah, yeah. This is the New York Times again. Her sense of perspective gives this important book an empathetic core as well as analytical breadth, breadth as she draws a crucial distinction between individual actors who often get subjected to so much scrutiny and second guessing and larger systems, which rarely get subjected to enough. So she's saying the people, the people maybe will be sympathetic to them. The systems, maybe not so much. And I'm just, I'm blown away by the, the balance and the fairness and um, the humor, which I haven't even gotten to. And um, I, I really hope that um, I really hope that the, the, the cone, the ice cream cone machine isn't broken. I love a cone. It's always can broken. Get that, can I get that dipped? No, that's also broken. Also. The dip, the, the dip, dip is, is broken. broken. Even the dip yes. is broken. Man. Yeah, everything's broken here. I, I'd like to close my time with a, a fast fact. Okay. Fast fact. The fast fact is, uh, there are four different, sorry, five, five different shapes of chicken McNugget. Oh, great. Oh, God. The five shapes close. are when four is in a boot, the boot, mm -hmm. the ball, mm -hmm. the bone, mm -hmm. the bell, and the food poisoning. <laughs> Revenge. Revenge. Bum, bum, bum. I've had a long debate about the uh, expression revenge is a dish best served cold and I had to eat my own words because I thought it came from like Shakespeare and it, it actually does come from Star Trek which ah, is probably the nerdiest kidding? most uh, like mainstream thing that has come from that Star Trek. That is incredible. I love it's that. It's pretty good. I mean that's it's really permeated the popular culture to the point where we, you think it's Shakespeare actually james kirk so anyway about that we had a listener recommendation uh, about a year and a half ago <laughs> guys we are getting into the backlog of listener recommendations we've gotten out the shovels we've gotten out the pickaxes we are digging up old recos so Lori writes in that we, uh, one of us should read uh, the beast must die joe tell us about the book here yeah the beast not must die it's a 1938 detective novel by cecil day lewis that's daniel day lewis's 
dad. Amazing. Um, it, it's written under a pen name, and it's like a classic detective story. It's a Golden Age-style investigation, an inverted thriller. I don't totally know what that means, um, and I'm really pumped to read it. Plus, what an awesome name. The Beast Must Die. It is a great name. I will bring a book that's just a little bit older than Joe's book. Older than Joe's 1938. Yeah, Joe's was published in 1938. Mine was published in 1592. What? My book is there called... There was no write-in then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My book is called The Spanish Tragedy or Hieronimo is Mad Again. And it's about a guy who has a bunch of bad stuff happen to him. And then he bites out his tongue and spits it on the stage. Uh, all right. Great. <laughs> So, uh, Little Heads, we're going to do a, a something we haven't really done here before, and that is a dramatic reading of our WhatsApp thread. Um, and it goes a little something like this. Uh, um, we were doing some scheduling. I said, that's fine by me. Nick said, yep. And then out of the blue yesterday, <laughs> we get the message, I hated my book from <laughs> Joseph Harvey. And then the follow-up needed, needed to get that off my chest. So... <laughs> I have been on pins and needles to find out why Joe hated this book so much. What, what on earth, Joe? Yeah. So I want to start here. My book is very good, right? Like it's, it's a very well-written book. It's a well-written book. It's a well-researched book. Um, my guy, the, uh, Eric Schlossinger, he's got kind of an, uh, I should probably say his name correctly. Eric Schlosser has kind of an interesting background and upbringing. He grew up in New York City. His dad was like a Wall Street lawyer. He moved to L.A. when his dad became president of NBC, which is kind of a weird spot to be in. Sounds prestigious. Sounds prestigious. He went to Princeton. Then he went to Oxford. He married Robert Redford's daughter. And when he graduated from all this stuff, he like tried to get a couple of plays on Broadway. And then he became an investigative journalist for The Atlantic. And in some ways, I feel like he's the perfect investigative journalist because I I don't know. I'm going to assume this guy comes from some means, like some some money that he that he can fall back on. You said his father was the, the president of a major uh, TV network. Yeah, probably. Right. I also said that his <laughs> wife is Robert Redford's daughter. <laughs> sure. That one. That, that's a good one, too. He became an investigative investigative journalist for The Atlantic, and he started writing these really good magazine articles, like these really deeply researched, really compelling magazine articles. In his first couple of years, he won multiple national awards for his reportage. This is in like the mid 90s. In 1997, Rolling Stone gets a hold of him and they're like, hey, we read this article that you'd written about migrant workers, right? About like strawberry pickers and in Georgia or something like that. And we thought it was really, really good. So we would love for you to write something for us. Um, looking at America through the lens of fast food. Is that something you'd be interested in? He said yes. And then he spent the next three years on the road, like just chasing this story for Rolling Stone. Like he went to... Uh, fast food restaurants, obviously, but he went all the way up the chain. He went to potato farms. He went to slaughterhouses. He went to cattle ranches. He went to like packaging facilities. And he basically was trying to answer the question, what exactly is fast food's impact on America? So none of that explains. This sounds like it's going to end well. <laughs> well, none of that explains why I hate this book, because that stuff is all great. 
why I hated this book is because every time I would pick it up and read it, every time I would spend time with it, I got so effing depressed. <laughs> like it, it just bummed me out it made you so sad much. Inside. It made me so sad. I, I like fast food. Like I don't eat it that much, but when I do, I think it's kind of a neat little treat that I get. Nick, after reading this book, I don't think I can eat fast food in good conscience anymore. It no. is. It's. <laughs> oh, no. This book ruined fast food for Joe, me. Joe, ruined fast food for us. We're ready. So the premise of this book, as I said in my teaser, is, is essentially in two parts. Part one is the fast food industry makes everything it touches worse. That's, okay. the, that's part, like the first premise of this book that he sets out to prove. That's the a second big part thesis. of this book that he sets out to prove is in America, the fast food industry touches absolutely everything, right? Like it reaches everywhere. It touches on obviously food areas, but it also touches on things like farming and like vertical integration and the ownership of um, things like restaurants and franchises in inner cities. Um, It touches on stuff like labor law, right? And and training workers, things like that. Um, It touches on the minimum wage and how the minimum wage has been largely suppressed by fast food industries throughout the year because it is Ah, a a big one. It's a massive lobbying group, right? Like it's a massive, massive yeah. lobbying group Keeping with those where prices all down. of their employees work at minimum wage. By the way, I'd like to congratulate Nevada for voting to approve a $12 an hour minimum wage, which is still below the poverty line. And I'd like to bring up Grapes of Wrath again, where they get into uh, working every day just to pay for the food that you need to survive that day. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, okay, so Joe, uh, fast food's the worst. Now, uh, you've made some big claims about how it touches everything and it's making um, everything worse. Um, mm-hmm. So please tell us why. Maybe some fast facts in my Some examples, here. I think, would be, yeah, mm-hmm. that would help you. He starts this book by talking about the origin stories of the large fast food chains that we know, right? Like we also have a large Ray Kroc section, a large McDonald's section, um, things like that. And a lot of those origin stories are really compelling. They talk about how like the people who founded the early fast food companies, like they started by buying a hot dog cart and then they bought two hot dog carts. Right. And, and like, it's kind of this American success story in a lot of ways. Like the early parts of this book are the triumph of capitalism, right? Like, like sure. going out there, doing a good hard day's work, you know, like, et cetera, like all the stuff that you know, Horatio Elger stuff, you know, stuff like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. As this book goes on, though, what it starts reminding me of is, oh, Nick, a while ago on this book, a while ago on this show, I brought a book called The Unwinding by a New Yorker writer called George Packer. And the premise of that book. Yep. Yeah. and And you don't need to remember anything about that book. But the whole premise of it was this. American society is slowly losing any like social organization that it once had, right? Like any social safety net that it once had, right? Like over the, oh, over that the years. Oh, was a huge downer. I remember that book. It was a huge downer. Like over time, it has been like chipped away and chipped away and chipped away, the social safety net. As those social um, pillars kind of are chipped away, that void is filled by organized money, by organized capital. And when organized capital yeah. fills a void that should be filled by society, that should be filled by a social safety net, that should be filled by government, things get worse for the average person. That's what this book reminded me of. It, it goes into meat pack 
meatpacking plants. And it shows the incredibly dangerous and vile conditions that meatpackers work under. It shows how the meatpacking industry, among other things, has lobbied the government over the years so that they have, how do I say this, next to no oversight and next to no um, recourse from the federal government. The meat industry has lobbied to the point that the USDA, the 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 cannot recall meat that is unhealthy. The meat industry can recall meat, right? Like they can like have a voluntary recall of, of unhealthy meat, but the USDA cannot make them recall meat. Feels crazy. I'm not sure if I... That doesn't wrap my head around what you're saying. Let's push on through. (laughs) OSHA is only able to investigate a meat plant if it has higher than average injuries, right? Like, so OSHA can't go into a meat plant until it records higher than average industries. Multiple meat companies, right? Multiple meat companies over the years um, have been caught hiring doctors to lie about the severity of the injuries. They keep two injury logs, one real injury log and one for OSHA. When they've been caught, they've been slapped with a small fine and they've gone on doing what they've been doing. Speaking of small fines, I just want to drop in a little little comment about Mm. safety and such. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, uh, recently there was a man working at a plant oh, for Caterpillar. Yeah. Uh, you maybe, man, you heard about this? You hear about this? Maybe. And he fell into know. a vat of, a vat of molten steel. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. He was Is incinerated, he okay? incinerated, <laughs> incinerated instantly. Yeah. Oh, he had been working there for five, for nine days. Oh, and guess how much the fine was? Uh, for his family or what? No. Yeah, Did finding they, his family for letting him work in such an unsafe place. That'll show you. Caterpillar was OSHA fine Caterpillar $145,000. Oh. Mm-hmm. That might be an, enough for the lawyer. God. Um, the, Sorry, Joe. You were saying nope, about the meatpacking how good it is. And I was also disgusted by it. Um, Do you have any stories bo- about people falling into a vat of ketchup or anything like that? Or a vat of ground meat? They do talk about people losing a, a like like appendages. Uh, is a finger an appendage? Maybe that's too small to be an yeah, appendage. Absolutely, digits. absolutely okay. it is. A digit, a digit, a digit. A digit. They talk about people losing digits into vats of meat, and it, it falls within the tolerances of like what is acceptable to serve. You know, like it's that natural flavoring, so it's just kind of fine. So you know, if you've I'm eaten sorry. a fast, <laughs> so if you've eaten a fast food hamburger, what? there's a good chance you've eaten you've eaten. Um, well, maybe not a good chance, but there's a small chance that you've eaten. Um, maybe a migrant worker. Uh, thumb, for example. Okay, let's just let that pause for a second. Mm-hmm. Let's sit on it. Let's sit on that. Oh, can I ruin cereal for you guys? Oh God, I love cereal. Sure. It's all oh, I have left Joe, after fast food. Okay, I won't tell you. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll just whisper it. Don't listen, Joe. There is an acceptable amount of rat hair that they allow into all cereals. Oh God, and it's a lot. Litheads, yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's, not, it's not nothing, Litheads. It's three rats worth of hair. <laughs> can be in your box of life. Okay, can I tell you about the thing that upset me the most? This is dumb, but it's honestly the thing that upset me the most. So when you go to a fast food restaurant... And you're hungry and you smell those delicious grilled burgers, right? Like those delicious grilled hamburgers in there. And you can't wait to sink your seat. Oh, no. Yeah. It's like, no, it's it's like in the air conditioning, isn't it? It's It's not not in the air conditioning, but the smell comes from just 
chemical components that they add to the fries, like 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 basically food scientist nice. stuff. Chemical components that they add to the fries, Smart. chemical <sighs> components that they add to the meat to make them smell like that. At one point, huh. our reporter was in a food Fuck. laboratory. That's it's really, just the worst. It ruins so really much. ruins fast food, Joe. Oh, wow. my God. Well, he just really delivered. At one point, our reporter's <laughs> in a food laboratory. And uh, the laboratory that is where a laboratory famously our scientist tells him to close his eyes for a second. He's like, hey, close your eyes. Oh, smell my finger. <laughs> Hold out your finger. <laughs> and give me an appendage. <laughs> and he says, I close my eyes. And suddenly the room just erupted into this bouquet of grilled meat. Like it's all you could smell it. It smelled like somebody was cooking something on the fourth of. Can of you Kauai. buy this? <laughs> a bouquet of grilled. Yeah, like people put like old fish in hubcaps. Fuck that. Let's <laughs> fucking like your place is gonna smell like cheeseburgers for the rest of your life, <laughs> honey. I got you a meat bouquet for our anniversary. Uh, but he said. He said, when I opened my eyes, he was just holding a litmus strip near me, right? Like it was just like a litmus strip with like this drop of, of food science on it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Food science on it. Wow. Nick, that killed me. It broke my heart because it at least felt like I was eating a hamburger. What you're eating, what you were eating, what you were eating, Joe was a lie. I was eating lies. Litheads, when you go, you eat lies. They say you are, you are what you eat. You are what you eat, Joe. You're a liar. What does that say? Joe, tell us. Really? Um, what, what else do you have for us here? Do you have any other heartbreaking facts you can share with us? Um, there's a large section about how Ray Kroc was pretty good friends with Walt Disney and how the two of them together pretty much invented advertising to children. Um, like, oh, like they, <laughs> they kind of figured out, they're like, hey, if we target the kids, well, hear me out, <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> if we target finish. the kids, um, like McDonald's is the number one owner of playground equipment on the planet. Of course it is right. Because of all of their playlands oh, um, back when they used to play kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, oh, here, this one kind of was gross. Um, fast food companies, <laughs> they partner with schools in exchange for advertising space or a spot in the cafeteria. So um, a fast food company will sign a contract with your school that says, Hey, we want to only sell Coca-Cola products in your school. And the school's like, great. How much will you give us? And the fast food company gives them $100,000 or whatever it is, right? For a, for a multi-year contract. But part of that contract is, by the way, your school must consume X amount of dollars of Coca-Cola products in order for you to maintain the terms of this contract. Mm. It's just it, mm. this book. That is, one feels more like it's on the school than it's on them. Well, <laughs> true, I, true. But I think also <laughs> what it comes down still. to yeah, is it's it's it schools like, that are poorly funded that could really use a hundred thousand dollars to for whatever, right? And yeah, it's yeah. not great. Hey, Joe, mm-hmm. I have a question. Why on God's green earth should I read this book? I think he's kind of telling like, you. It seems like I've heard it. I've heard plenty, yeah. and I I love fast food, but I'm I am reconsidering things as yeah. we speak, and I don't like that. Like why? Why? Yeah. Why read this? This book. When I sent that text that said I hated my book, this is the sort of stuff I was talking about. This book is extremely well written. I've read such worse books for this podcast and lied to Nick <laughs> about. <that. laughs> oh no! This book is extremely well written. The guy is a like our writer here, um, Eric Schlosser, is a legitimately talented dude. He tells stories in a compelling way. 
I think the, honestly, I would say you shouldn't read this book unless you're kind of comfortable with changing your relationship with fast food. Cause I thought oh. this book was super, super convincing. Um, oh, that's like the, um, um, what's that food documentary that came out like five or 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. Food Inc. Food Inc. Oh yeah. yeah food Inc. I watched yeah, that. Exactly. I'm like, well, I'm only buying the fanciest uh, eggs now. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Never gonna buy eggs again. I almost asked Joe before the week before we started recording, but I saved it. Like this sounds like a kitchen confidential kind of like the seamy underbelly is so so seamy. Like you you got to change your ways. Yeah, it's it's and it, it, I don't know. Like the best way I can describe it is, I feel like I've only barely scratched the surface of the. Uh, I want to say like the injustices and I do think like there are a lot of injustices that the fast food that are on the hands of fast food, but so much of it isn't, it's, it's not really fast food. That's the problem. It's just like capitalism. It's, it's capitalism. <laughs> that's the problem, right? Like, Sounds like at, you, your books are like almost identical <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> I mean, so much of my book is basically saying like, Hey, as fast food got bigger things needed to get more efficient right and um meat plants or potato farmers they needed to consolidate and consolidate and consolidate and as they consolidated they wielded more and more power the workers became kind of like secondary and not particularly important to the process or pretty replaceable in the process oh nick at the time this book was written this is just an aside and then i'm going to finish up because this book is just disheartening fact after disheartening fact yeah hurry up at the time this book was written mcdonald's or fast food would get a national subsidy for every worker that they trained right every worker that they trained that stayed there for three months or more would get they would get money for right the problem with that is that mcdonald's at the same time was trying to make their kitchens essentially skillless like totally skillless right like oh, so no. that you could walk into that kitchen anybody could walk into that kitchen and successfully make a, a big mac money laundering so, so it was essentially mcdonald's was taking government money hand over fist yeah. as they like turned over labor forces at their restaurant and all of those people that they were training right like that's why they were getting the government money left their mcdonald's jobs as skillless as they were and i skillless uh, maybe ooh, i think when damn. they came in yeah it's not great ooh, that's I, that's brilliant nick, that's just good capitalism <laughs> that's just good capitalism nick the number one thing that i have in my notes it's a spot that i never have in my notes it says how this book changed me and mm. I, and i said nick i really like fast food i don't eat it often but when i do i tend to do it pretty guilt-free i now feel like every stop at Culver's or Tom's or JD's are kind of local ones here is just enabling a straight up evil industry. This book bummed me out. I absolutely hated it. I think you should probably read it. Gentlemen, welcome to Tiffany's, a safe space here on (laughs) youdonnowlitpodcast.com. Would you... (laughs) Would you like to tell me some <laughs> some trashy things about your book? Ian, you go first. It seems like you need to to get something off your chest. Ian, you can you can I, tell me this is a safe space. Anything safe bad space. about your book that you'd uh, like to share? I, I, I got kind of get real with confused, me. Kind of big cast of characters got kind of confused. Okay, Ian gets confused, confused easy Joe. What about you? Yeah, I. I feel like I said mine already. I hated my book. Like, okay, like you every, hated it. Every time I picked it up, be, it just stressed uh, me out. This is a tough one because on one hand, we got Joe 
sounds like it's like a, you know, that. And then Ian's mm-hmm. has the other thing about the stuff. Uh, these well, books so. almost sound like identical. Um, they, I think they're certainly cousins with one another. They certainly are in conversation the last, with one another. When's the last time you guys had fast food? Shoot, I had Tom's Drive-In, which is like our local fast food shop here. Um, I had it 10 days ago or something like that. I had a hamburger and fries. Ian? Well, last last week. Last week, I had a sub from Port of Subs. Okay. Which is... Mm -hmm. Uh, Like what date was that? Uh, That would be like the 12th, maybe? Like the 12th of November? Okay. All right. So, Joe, you sounds like you went to Tom's on the 7th of November. Yeah, something like that. So, Ian, more recently, congratulations. Yeah. Since you congratulations, uh, ate fast yes. food the most recent, I think you're going to win this one. You um, fast food Yeah. Week. Joe, you lose. Not right. Um, <laughs> Lidheads, I, you, don't, you should not eat fast food. It's, it's bad for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going involved. to either. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, you may have lost today's episode, but you've won my hearts and yeah. minds. All right. Um, Lidheads, we love your recommendations. One of our favorite things about them is we read books that we absolutely would not read otherwise. When we came across Fast Food Week this week, I wasn't particularly excited about reading Fast Food Nation, but now I'm... Yeah, I'm a changed man. Um, if no, you want to keep changing us, ruining other industries for us, yes, go ruin, to, ruin everything for us. Ruin Lit Thanks a lot. Please head on over to you don't know lit podcast.com. You can suggest a book. You can suggest a theme. The best thing you can do is tell a bookish friend. You can also rate review star, like whatever your interaction is of your choice. Um, yeah, more than or anything, you can, you can tell a friend who likes fast food, mm-hmm. ruin them. We have a do we like have make, a show make for them you? Listen to this. Ruin them. Yeah, that's a good one. That's good. All right. Um, I think that's all I have to say. Congratulations, Ian. Congratulations, Nick. Congratulations, Litheads. Congratulations, Green Bay Packers, for getting your first win in like in like three months. <laughs> Felt good. Um, the I'm gonna read a quote from uh an, an interview Chatelaine did with NPR, where she sums up kind of the 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 takeaway she wants to leave you with in this book she says i think what mcdonald's has provided is an opportunity for some at the expense of far too many not just the health effects i think anytime we have communities that have to rely on a business to be the place of refuge to be the place for wi-fi to be the sponsor of youth sports, to be the place where the youth job program happens, for the college scholarships to emanate from, then we have a problem. <laughs>